0: Holy shit, lads, episode number 35. Um, This one's been coming. I'm going to do this one about imposter syndrome, if you've ever heard of such a thing. I certainly had never heard of any such thing up until about a year ago. And ever since then, I've wanted to do an episode on it and... I've often thought, oh yeah, I know, I'll, I'll set aside a bit of time and I'll study this and I'll study that and I'll learn about it and blah, 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 and then I'll do it. But bollocks to that because that time hasn't come in the last year and it's not going to. And I'm not fucking letting this hunting second season pass me without discussing it a little bit at least. So I first became aware of it when I was watching a TED talk about a guy called Mike Cannon Brooks. Mike Cannon-Brooks is the CEO of Atlassian, a software company based down in Australia. Huge, big fucking company. But anyway, he set it up when he had an arse in his trousers, him and his mate, and basically chanced their arm, got it up and running, and hop, skip, and jump a fucking year or two, and, you know, it's multi-billion and all the rest of it. But along the way, he discovered this thing called imposter syndrome. Now, what imposter syndrome is, as he described it, was a vague, ever-present ever present feeling in the background of your mind that, as he put it, and to quote him, one day there'd be a knock on the door and a man with a clipboard would walk in and say, are you my Cannon Brooks? He'd say, yeah, you know, fair play, lad, you know, you gave it your best. I don't know how you managed to take it this far, but, you know, you're coming with me, hand over the fucking keys. Ball burst, game over. Okay, now, I watched this um, TED Talk, as I said, about a year ago. And as he said those words, I fucking burst into tears. And I mean, I fucking had a full-scale meltdown of uncontrollable crying. Tears running down my fucking face. I was inconsolable. and am fucking choking up here, even recalling it. What the fuck is that all about, you might ask? Well, I don't know which episode it was, but I'm pretty fucking sure I mentioned that exact thing in one of the episodes on the first season, on the, the first solo season. I'm pretty sure I mentioned exactly those terms that there was this feeling in my mind that someday somebody would fucking walk into walk open or blah, somebody would knock on the doors of my business, walk in while I was working away, go, are you Fran McKeone? Yeah. Fair play, lad, but, you know, hand me the keys. This is all being closed down. You can't do this. And the reason that I had that fear was because I didn't, nor do I still really feel qualified to be doing what it is that I'm doing. I operate at what's called a vertical farm. Now, a vertical farm, for those of you that don't know, is essentially a building whereby plants are grown inside it. Now, not a glass house, okay? Everything's grown under our... Ar- I was going to say artificial light but just as a little aside there's no such thing as artificial light lads light from the sun is the same as light from a candle or light from a light bulb or light from a fire there's different variations there's different colors there's different spectrums there's different wavelengths there's all sorts of variances but there's no such thing as artificial light light is light it's like water there's no such thing as fake water or artificial water there's okay sorry this the stuff there's such a thing as fake water There's water that's actually not water. There's clear liquids that are odorless, tasteless, will freeze, will boil, will turn into steam, can be frozen into ice. They might be very similar to water. But if it's fake water, it means it's not water. If it's water, if it's H2O, okay, if it's two hydrogen atoms bounded to an oxygen atom, I don't care if it was melted off a glacier in the North Pole or you concocted it under your mother's bed, okay, h2o is h2o and light is the same light from the sun is light it's a wavelength it's the electromagnetic spectrum you can't fake it you can make it you can create it i use man-made light it's probably a better term than artificial light but anyway okay don't really get into that i run that's the type of business that i run before i started running it I didn't know anything about the electromagnetic spectrum. I didn't know anything about, you know, plant health or nutrition. I knew a bit, but not, a, not nearly enough to run a fucking business based on it. So because of that, because I chanced my arm, you could see how I would have a residual, oh God, should I really be fucking doing this? And I think that anybody that set up their own business is going to suffer with this, what's called imposter syndrome to one degree or another. I am of the opinion that there's a spectrum in relation to imposter syndrome. I think people like me have it in fucking spades. I think imposter syndrome is just oozing out of every cunting pore in my body for whatever reason, I don't know. But I have it in spades and I'm going to get back to that now in a sec. Other people might have a touch of it. They might go, oh, I'm probably not qualified to do this, but you know, here we go and we're going to do it anyway. And then there's people who maybe have it even worse than me people who have it so bad that they couldn't start a business because of that that lingering ever-present feeling of almost unworthiness or not unworthiness but certainly unqualifiedness now all of this seems perfectly natural and normal i mean why wouldn't you be nervous and apprehensive about committing to something that you're not overly qualified in but the thing is i was running this business for 3 or 4 years and had a People working for me. Okay. I was paying all my taxes. I was getting all my invoices and statements in on time. I had a good relationship with my customers. I was doing what I was do what I was doing what I had been doing for years to a very high standard and everything was going great. And even at that point, when there was ample when there was ample evidence that I was more than capable of doing it. Even then, despite all the evidence that I was competent in doing it, I still had that residual, oh God, one of these days some cunt's going to rock up here and throw me in jail or fucking sue me or... Because I don't have a degree in horticulture. I don't know anything about you know plant husbandry or whatever the fucking appropriate term is. I didn't know anything about health and safety or food management plans or any of that crack. Made it up as they went along, and got better and better and better at it. But the thing about imposter syndrome is, it doesn't matter how good you get at it. You could be the world fucking leader. You could be the the most notorious, well known, most respected authority on a subject. But it wouldn't matter if you're suffering from either a lot or a little of imposter syndrome. That that's basically what it is. It doesn't matter how qualified you are. You just have this niggling uncertainty about your your qualification to do it okay so getting back to why I personally think I have it so bad a bit of a content warning here I'm going to just it's nothing too dark or deep or nasty but I am going to reference having been suicidal so maybe just skip this if you're not in the right place to listen to it but in hindsight looking back I was probably suicidal for the best part of six months maybe even a touch longer but anyway during that period, I can remember googling the words, am I suicidal? Okay. At the same time that I was contemplating ending my own life, I was doubting whether or not I was deserving of the title suicidal. I didn't give myself the credit, that'll tell you how fucking deep down in a fucking hole that I was, that I couldn't even credit myself with the title of being suicidal. It was all, you're not fucking suicidal, you're just fucking, get your shit together, stop being such a fucking rotten fucking person basically. You know, suicidal. You're you're disrespecting people who actually have problems. You're disrespecting people who have killed themselves. You fucking wouldn't be able to fucking kill yourself if you wanted to. Those kind of fucking horrible negative thoughts were there. But imagine that. And it's fucking, it's, it's hard for me to even fucking make sense of it as I say it. I was planning on killing myself. I got to a stage whereby I had a plan to kill myself. Bearing all that in mind, I still couldn't credit myself with the title suicidal. That's how fucking deep and ingrained this imposter syndrome phenomena is with me or was with me. It's not nearly as much as it was, I don't think, but it's certainly still there. And the reason that it's relevant now and why I haven't learned about it and put it all behind me, and before I continue actually, naming it helped shitloads. Listening to somebody, geez, <coughs> sorry, listening to somebody else talk about it and share their experience of it, and by default, making me aware of it, of its existence, automatically alleviated, I don't know, 50 fucking percent of it. I haven't worried about the man with the clipboard since, put it that way. That man doesn't exist in my conscious mind or even in my subconscious mind anymore because it's, it's just not there. It's just not there. Something that was ever present, it's just not there anymore and has been there for ages. And I credit that to knowing what it's called. And I can only imagine the relief that somebody who was suffering from panic attacks would get when they finally go to see a fucking doctor or whoever and they explain what's been happening to them. And then the doctor turns around and goes, Oh yeah, that's that's a, that's a panic attack. Have you never heard of a panic attack? Can you imagine the fucking relief of knowing that what's wrong with you is just, you know, pretty common. It's not going to you know, cure you of what was giving you the panic attacks in the first place. It's not going to ensure that you're not going to have panic attacks in the future. But just knowing that it's not you, just knowing that what you're experiencing is part of the human condition. A fucking shitty, horrible, cunting part of the human condition, but a part of it nonetheless. All you're experiencing, and this isn't to downplay it by any stretch of the imagination, but all you're experiencing is something that happens to some, or maybe most, or maybe even all of us at one point in their life. I mean, again, just thinking out loud, imagine you've got I know, a rash on the fucking underside of your ball sack or whatever, it doesn't matter. Something wrong with your nail or something wrong with the back of your head or there's something you're not comfortable with on your person and you go, fuck, I have to go to the doctor. What you want is for the doctor to have half a look at it and go, oh, fuck, yeah, that's whatever it is. Even that will make you go, oh, fucking, thank God for that. Because... At least if he can see it, identify it and name it before he even tells you that he has a fucking cream for it, you're going to assume he does. And if he doesn't, somebody else will. Or you're going to assume that because it's it's known what's wrong, that there's possibly a known remedy for it or a cure for it. Or even if there isn't, even if they tell you what you have is incurable, at least you know it's incurable. That, that wonder, that, you know, that kind of question mark isn't there anymore. And that in itself would be massively helpful. What you don't want your doctor to say is, fuck, never saw one of them for. Then you're fucked. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to refer you on to somebody who knows something about mad tropical fucking diseases or something. Because in my 60 years as a general practitioner, I've seen everything, but I've never seen that Holy shit! That's you don't want to you don't want to hear that from your doctor ever, okay? And just that, just the being able to name something, it massively helped me. Absolutely, massively helped me. And hopefully, this will fucking help some other poor cunt who was like me and I wasn't distraught with this whole imposter syndrome thing, but it certainly played. It certainly played an ever-present negativeness in my life. And I haven't fully put it behind me because, look, I'm gonna I'm chancing my arm doing what I'm fucking doing here right now. Do you know what I mean? I'm not qualified to do fucking podcasts, but I don't really give a fuck. Because, you know, worst case scenario, no one listens. You know, who cares? But when you're running a food business and you're supplying bulk quantities of microgreens to the food service industry, you know, you have a worry there. Now, I always went above and beyond everything I had to do because I had to. I couldn't cut corners because I didn't think I was deserving of the position in the first place. Never mind to be in that position and start cutting corners. So I've always gone above and beyond. And I've imposter syndrome to thank for that in in many respects. So maybe imposter syndrome isn't the fucking worst thing in the world. But again, it might be great for some people and the worst thing ever for other people. And either way, being able to name it, being able to identify it knowing what it is and knowing of its existence might go a fucking long way in helping somebody get over it. But what made me think about it today is a conversation that I had with past guest and friend of the show, Dave Webster, uh, recently, er recently, earlier today. And I was chatting to Dave, hadn't fucking seen the man in ages. I still haven't seen him, he was on the phone, fucking fuck you lockdown. But I was chatting away to him and uh, he was telling me that he was up to date with the podcast and he was loving it and blah, blah, blah. And he started talking about, you know, my plans for the future because that's what the last couple of episodes have been about, you know, kind of looking forward. And he, he seemed to be enjoying that. So we had a, cha- a, a loose chat around that. And one thing that I said to him that I've been thinking myself of late, it, it's not that the podcast, it's not that I'm not, com- it's not that I'm, I don't have confidence in the whole off the lead things future it's quite the contrary. It kind of scares me a little. I genuinely think that I can blow this whole off the lead thing up into something enormous, something, something bigger, something way bigger than just me, like way, way bigger. And I'm not going to go into the details of that now. I will in a a future episode, hopefully, but it's, it's potential kind of scares me. And it's how successful that it could be and indeed that it should be and maybe that it will be. It's that success that's kind of scaring me. I'm, I'm afraid to go after it. It's a weird one. I'm, I'm far more afraid of going after it because of how successful I think it could be. Not how unsuccessful it could be. I'm not afraid to committing to it because it mightn't work. If, if that was my only fear, I'd just do it. And if it didn't work, you know, what harm? That would be my attitude to it. But what's holding me back almost in really fucking concentrating on it and going after it. And by that, lads, I mean doing it full time. I mean handing the reins of my business on to past guest and friend of the show, Porrick Riley. I might actually message him about this before I fucking upload it. But anyway, he's more than well capable to run my business for me and like with me. More than capable. So I genuinely do, especially after all these fucking lockdowns, I really do have an opportunity to do the whole off the lead thing full time. You know, what would that look like? Another solo season, another fucking rake of guests building the, the mobile studio setting up off the lead and on the mats, like an MMA gym. Again, all branded under off the lead. The whole nine yards of a million and one different things. The documentary about shooting the pig and butchering the pig and fucking eating the pig and all that jazz. Like that's just one of 101 different ideas that I've rattling around in my head that would all fall perfectly under the off the lead banner. But again, what scares me, strangely enough, isn't the fact that the whole thing could fall on its art. That doesn't scare me. I'm willing to take that risk okay? I'm secure enough in my personhood and in my life, and th- there's enough there's enough steadiness in my life, thankfully, due to the fucking years of hard graft I put in. There's enough steadiness in my life that I can try and shake something without fear of bringing down a whole fucking house of cards. The foundation that I have made for off the lead up until right now is fucking incredible. As far as I'm concerned, it's, it's fucking brilliant. I love it. And it's a launchpad for you know, not the next decade, but for whatever else comes after this episode and this see this solo season and all the rest of it. But Dave said something to me that I'd heard a million and one times before, but I I needed to hear it in the moment that he told it to me. So fucking thanks again, Dave. He said that him and his business partner, past guest and friend of the show, Graham Mackin, they were both chatting recently, and they agreed on something that I would concur with as well. They both agree that if your dreams are if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. And the second he said that, I kind of felt my shoulders relaxing, and he was like, that's all that is. Your dreams should be fucking scary. If they're not fucking scary, they're not big enough. Now, we're talking dreams, okay? And we're talking aspirational goals, okay? They should be scary. The steps to them shouldn't be. Do you know the kind of way, like the, the idea of running your first marathon should scare you if you know you can't run. Okay, so if you if you couldn't run five k, never mind forty two k. If you couldn't run five k and you say to yourself, Do "You know what? I'm going to run a fucking marathon one of these days." Okay, that's a scary goal. That's an That's a that's an ambitious goal. It's a dream. Okay, it has no fucking place in reality if you can't run 5k. Absolutely no place in reality. That doesn't mean that it doesn't have any existence or it doesn't have any place in existence. Okay, things can be unreal and exist. Things can be not in existence, not in existence and exist in your mind. All it takes is for an initial fucking spark of, do you know what? I'd like to run a marathon. Do you know what? I'd like to get fucking jacked. Do you know what? I'd like to do whatever the hell it is. Play an instrument, learn a language, learn a new song on the guitar, whatever the fuck it is. Draw that picture that you've been meaning to draw. It doesn't fucking matter. The point being, your, goal, your lofty goals and your aspirational goals and your dreams should scare you. The first step shouldn't. And none of the steps along the way should, really. You know, if in keeping with the, the running analogy, you can't run 5k you want to run a marathon. That's a scary dream. But going for a 5k walk shouldn't scare you. Do you know that kind of way? If setting up your own business is your big, scary, aspirational goal that terrifies you, the idea of it, picking up the phone, or not even picking up the phone, Googling suppliers of the product that you're looking to to possibly make someday, that shouldn't be scary. You know, the, the incremental steps shouldn't be that hard. If if you're in, if one of your incremental steps is this huge big fucking undertaking, it's not an incremental step, lads. Okay? Holy shit, it's twenty minutes. Lads, I'll chat to you tomorrow.